Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. Stay tuned after the Torah study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. Okay, shalom everybody. We are in Bereshit chapter 6, if I recall correctly. And I think we've made it through that first paragraph and maybe the fifth verse, I don't know. And Yehovah saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Uh, and Yehovah regret he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And Yehovah said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowl of the air, for I regret that I have made them. And here's that famous sentence, but Noah found grace in the eyes of Yehovah. All right. And there, there is that sentence right there. Benoach. And I've talked about this before. We'll go over it briefly. Noach and Chen are backwards. It's a, it, if you put the two words together, it's like a palindrome. You see that? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. I'm going to put them together by themselves so we can see that. Everybody see the mirror? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. All right. So when I say, uh, shoot. So there is, there are a couple of verses through in the Psalms, mostly. I think there might be one in Job, but I, I'm certain there's at least two in the Psalms, maybe more, where and, and, and also in the Torah, I'm pretty sure that Abba says it to Israel. I will guard you like the, what most people translate as the apple of my eye. And in this translation that you're looking at there on the screen, it's Ishon uh, Ain. Ishon Ain, which means a little tiny man of the eye. Okay. Right. And... Most six-year-olds know this, but if you catch the light right and you look into someone's eyes, you can see yourself in there. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. Noah found Noah, a mirror image of Noah, in the eyes of Yahweh. I don't think that's a coincidence, personally. Okay? He found Chen. He found himself there. He was close to him. He walked with him. He was righteous. You getting what I'm driving at? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. I just think that that's worthy of note. Can I say that God designed it that way? No, I can't, but I happen to know him. <laughs> and I believe he did. <laughs> okay. Uh, he found grace in the eyes of Yahweh. So the notion that grace did not exist in the Torah is foolishness, okay? 
All right, so let's go on. We're, we, are, we are up to the second parasha in the scriptures. Hey, Daniel, before we move on, can I ask a question? Sure. Where it says, um, and I, I've thought about this often, and I don't want this to sound blasphemous, but where it says, Yahweh regretted that he had made man. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always thought about that. And people that say God doesn't make mistakes, I always thought of this first. Well, he's almost admitting, it seems like, here that he made a mistake in making man. Yeah. Is that how you would interpret that? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because let's look at this word. Look at what's inside of there. Oh. Um. Noah is in there too. Yeah. And that Noah means comfort. If you remember our chapter five study, his was the last name in that in that message that we got out of the names in chapter five, right? Mm-hmm. right. We interpreted that as comfort or rest. Okay. And so it, it, it does get interpreted as regret, and that is not a bad interpretation. But let's look at the verb itself, because that is a verb. All right. Who's banging around? Not me. <laughs> I'm going to catch you. <laughs> well, I don't know what's wrong with our internet, man. It is slow as all get out. The signal's being blown away by the wind. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, but it's it, gone with the wind. Yeah, no. <laughs> So the difference is, is that it comes from this form of the verb in the nifal pattern. In the PL, it means comfort. This is where a lot of people, and we're going to go over this in the Hebrew class. I just haven't done it yet because it's too, it's too much up front. But there are seven binyanim, building blocks, building, building sections in the root system, okay? And so one root, naham, can be in two separate binyanim and have an entirely different meaning. So it does mean regret. Are you with me? Do you see that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Regret. Okay. okay. It does mean that. But what I'm saying is, is that I don't think it's entirely divorced from this other meaning, which means to console, to comfort. All right. Mm. There's something a little different. Another, there's a deeper way to look at that. Do I pretend to understand it all? No, but I think that, I think that there is something to consider there because <clears throat> did he regret making man altogether? I don't think so because he's merciful, but I think he's reconsidering it, you know? Uh, and I think that this, he's using Noah to do it. There's his name right in that word. 
All right. So I just think there's more to it than that. Well, you could say that he regrets what the majority of mankind had become, but yet he still got comfort and yeah. and the fact that Noah existed and was righteous. Bingo. Exactly. And he knew he would do it from the beginning anyway. Right. So his communication to to us is the yeah. best way is in the scriptures that he can do it because he knew the plan from the, be- the ending before the beginning. So, right. You know, I'm glad you said that because you have to think on the Peshat level of the text. You can you can go into the, into the deeper levels of the text, and there's four levels. You can do that, but you must remain the, the integrity of the plain meaning of the text has to stay intact. And so the fact that it it is taken from that other binyan. And it means regret. It is what it is. But I'm just saying that we can think more deeply about that. We don't we don't have to end it on that very literal sense of the word. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. All right. These are the generations of Noah. So we're going to go into another of those told dote chapters. But I want you to see something here. We talked about this last week. This, this is Ze Sefer Toldot, all right, of Adam. What did I tell you that Toldot meant last week? Ele Toldot Noach. Look at here, Noach, Noach. All right, but what did I tell you that meant? We're saying generations, and that's not wrong. But what word does it come from? Yalad. What does that mean? Come on, Joe. It's oh, children. Thinking, thinking, thinking. Come on, Tracy. <laughs> is it? Is it children? It has something to do with that. As a matter of fact, the word yelled means boy, and it comes from the same root. So. Mm. But yeah, it's to progenerate, to produce, to beget. That's where the word beget comes from, okay? So that's what we're looking at there. But our first word that we looked at for uh, toldot was, I want to say back in chapter, what, two? One or two. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there was two. Four. Look at how this one is spelled. Toldot. Two vavs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when we get to five and six, it's diminished. That takes one number six out of the numeric value of the word, taking that vav away. So it's diminished. That's on purpose because I don't believe that Moshe misspelled words accidentally. And I don't think he was, I think it's on purpose. I think all of these little oddities are on purpose. Okay. So this happens to be after, after the fall. And when God begins to talk about sinful man. All right. Because this is after Cain killed Abel, right? Abel. 
All right. Mm -hmm. And someone took his place and it's there that God counted the generations of Adam. If you remember last week, we talked about the fact that he may have had other children before he had set, right? Mm -hmm. Just that this guy was the one we're concerned about. All right. Well, it's kind of the same here. All right. Noach Ish Tzadik, he was in his generations. Bedorotam, that's a different word for generations. His generations. Dor is the word. That's just Dalet Resh. Dor. Dorotam. Dorotav is possessive plural. He was in his generations a righteous man and wholehearted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tamim. That that comes from that word that we talked about in our Hebrew lesson for pure. Tame, Tamim. All right. Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Yafet. All right. And the earth was corrupt before Elohim, and the earth was filled with violence. And Elohim saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. So he's kind of reiterating what we learned in the first eight verses. The earth was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And Elohim said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them in the earth. All right, so let's look at that a little more closely. I want you to see something. Uh, i got to find what verse that was. 13. Ever heard that word? Yes. Hamas. Hamas. I don't think that means violence. Violence, right. The name of the Palestinian group over there that terrorizes Israel still today. They call Mm -hmm. them Hamas. Some people might write that off as a mere coincidence, but I don't. Wow. I just want to remember the dream I told you I had right there. Um, probably when you started speaking about it, but off the top of my head, just the word Hamas. I heard in my dream one time, Hamas. Okay. That was it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood with rooms. Shall you make the ark and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. There's another important word. Kofi. That is the three-letter root word of Yom Kippur. Kapar. To atone. There is no in my mind that this is an allusion to a symbol of a hint about atonement. Okay. Because that is the only thing that kept that boat afloat. Is the atonement, the pitch. Mm. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. The breadth of it, 50 cubits. And the height of it, 30 cubits. A light shall you make to the ark. And to a cubit shall you finish it upward. And the door of the ark shall you set in the side thereof, 
with lower second and third stories shall you make it. And I, behold, I do bring the flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life. From under heaven, everything that is in the earth shall perish, but I will establish my breach with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall you bring into the ark and keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the fowl after their kind, the cattle after their kind, every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every sort shall you bring unto you to keep them alive. And take your, unto yourself of all food that is eaten and gathered unto you, and it shall be for you food for you and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that Elohim commanded him, so did he. He found grace in the eyes of Yah. He did all according that he commanded. There's the pattern. Roger. Got that? Yep. Had Noah not done everything that Elohim had said, had he not covered the ark in pitch, what would have happened? He would have been destroyed. The boat would have sank. It would have sank. It would have floated. Everybody would have died. Had he not gathered all the food together, what would have happened? They'd have starved to death. Who would have starved to death? Noah and all the animals. Bingo. Because the food was for everybody. Everybody was an herbivore. You remember that? Didn't we talk about that already? Yes. Everybody was an herbivore. Everything ate plants before the flood. Everything. All right. We're gonna that's gonna be clarified even more in a little bit. Okay. Well, even from, from a logical standpoint, it makes sense because two by twos except the the the, the animals that were clean and they had to eat something. If they would have eaten, they would have had to bring food for the for the food for yeah. the for the course. Yeah, and everybody envisions the ark with lions in cages because they're gonna eat you, you know. That wasn't the case, and we're going to see that here in a minute. The world was a very, very, very different place at this point, and that's what I want fixed in your guys' heads is that that you cannot imagine the pre-flood world to be identical to the world that we live in. It's it's not entirely different, but it is very different, okay? Um, I think we talked about the canopy of water above, right? Yes, sir. And the oceans being not so full because they were half of the oceans or more are in the sky at this point. Right? Was there one mass land? I believe it could have could have probably been, yes. And the flood kind of squeezed it like if you take an orange and crush the, the crust of the orange. That's what the flood would have done. And I do believe that in some fashion. The earth, the geography of the earth changed after the flood to some degree. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I personally believe there was a lot more landmass because of the oceans being in the sky. Mm. And so the map of the pre-flood earth is impossible to know. But I think it was entirely different. Remember, there's possibly 30 billion people on the earth at the time. (laughs) Needed a little more land, maybe. Um, 
and more animals, animals that are since extinct, that people think lived billions of years ago. They didn't. They lived through a flood. That changed the, the way things look. The pre-flood stuff that died and the post-flood stuff that died, what do you think is the science is going to be? <laughs> well, and that means that, that Noah would have taken dinosaurs onto the ark with him, too. Bingo. They were still there. Now, however, as you've talked about before, the entire atmospheric situation, the geography, the atmosphere, everything was changed after the flood. And so they probably weren't able to survive. Yeah, there's there's evidence of that. Um, and, and again, it's been 30 years since I've studied it. But the pterodactyl, as I remember, they found a whole one or maybe more than one, but I know they found at least one whole pterodactyl. So that is a legitimate dinosaur. And that's the one that's the flying bird looking thing. Uh, can't fly in our environment. It's too heavy. The physics don't work. So uh, that is a, to me, a testament to pre-flood environment, which had a mist. Mm -hmm. So the air would have been a whole lot thicker. Talk about humidity. <laughs> no. It was a, probably a cooling humidity or, or a warming humidity. You know, it was probably different. But um, And there was no enmity. We're going to see that here in a minute. There was no enmity. There was no hatred, no fear between man and beast. That's why they came to Noah. One thing God told them to, guided them to. For another thing, they weren't enemies. Men did not eat animals at the time. Animals did not eat men at the time. So God put their teeth there for post-flood stuff because he knew there was going to be a generation that would traverse the flood. Mm. Are you with me? Yep. yep. They didn't use them. They didn't need them. And I think one thing that we used to use before the flood, we don't use anymore, is the appendix. I think mm -hmm. it's blood relic. I just read about it about a week ago. The appendix, they still don't know what it does. They don't know why it's there. Oh, yeah. And I think it's because it was, we were a very highly herbivore animal. You know, we ate nothing but plants and probably a different variety of plants. And uh, there was no radiation in our bodies. And so we needed... You know, we needed a, a slightly different physiology at the time. Okay. We needed a gizzard. Yeah, we needed a gizzard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so those are just some things to think about, uh, about the science of it. And another thing is, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. I, 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 you know, I'm writing a book and it's going to be in my, my next novel uh, because I got a Jewish guy and a, and a, a, a Christian guy uh, set in 1390s Scotland, go figure. And uh, they're going to have a conversation on a ship one night about life, the universe. They're going to be looking up in the, in the stars in the sky. If you've never been on a, on a ship and looked up at the stars, you ain't never seen nothing in your life, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, sailors have gazed at the stars for thousands of years. And so they're going to do that. And uh, uh, 
they will have a conversation about this very thing. And my Jewish guy is going to be posed, you know, one of my guys is smart. He's going to ask him that question. How can they all fit? How could all the animals fit? He's not going to know about dinosaurs, but he's going to know about bigger animals and animals that are hostile toward one another now. And it's going to be explained to him. And he's going to say, well, do they have to be grown animals? Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. They don't have to be. They could be small. They could be infantile. And, and that would make sense because then you have no birth going on on the ark while you're in transit. Well, and we know it says actually animals, but could it also mean that in the case of the egg-laying animals, that he had the eggs and not the animal itself? Could that be possible? It says the animals, but as That's a thought. possible, I suppose, but I think he probably brought the animals myself. Uh-huh. But... Uh, uh, so anyway, that, that, so the, the science fits, you know, and I, we can't linger a long time on this and maybe one day we'll do a study of just the science of it. I'd have to, I'd have to reread the books and the science because I don't concern myself with that much because I, I haven't needed it to win atheists to God. And you guys know a couple of those stories. I, I haven't needed the nuts and bolts of the science to win very smart scientists over to God. You know, it took them two years to come to it, but they came to it. So um, it's just, it's just simple logic in the reading of the text. You know, I didn't even have to show them the Bible. I just had to tell them what the Bible said and they believed me. And then they checked it for themselves and they found out it's true. (laughs) So so, uh, anyway, any other, any questions about that before we move on? And Yahweh said unto Noah, come you and all your house into the ark for you. Have I seen righteous before me in this generation of every clean beast? This is what Eva mentioned briefly a moment ago. You shall take to you seven and seven, each with his mate. And of the beasts that are not clean, two, each with his mate. Of the fowl also of the air, seven and seven male and female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And every living substance that I have made will I blot out from off the face of the earth. I need to back up. Seems like I missed something. Mm. Yeah, I want to go over this. Did we talk about it last week? His, therefore, his day shall be numbered 120 years. No, I don't think we got into that. Okay. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> it, it just registered that we had not, even though we did read that paragraph. I, I skipped this part, I think, on purpose, but I don't remember exactly. But it's time to bring it up. So before the flood is declared... God says, my Ruach shall not abide in man forever, for he also is flesh. Therefore shall his days be 120 years. I personally believe, and many of you know this, but for the sake of those who watch after the fact and haven't heard this before, I personally believe that that is the biggest hint in the scriptures. The first, the second big hint, what's the other one about the world week? 
that we've already looked at and we did look at it. I remember. Anybody know? Shabbat. Shabbat. No, no. I mean, we did, but we actually talked about this from the perspective of the World Week. Anybody remember? I will take you back. Are you talking about that, the first sentence in Bereshit? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bereshit. Mm. Bara Elohim et Hashemayim et Haaretz. The very first verse, first sentence, seven words. I am convinced that that is a picture of the world week. The world week is a Jewish concept that has existed for more than 2,000 years, probably at least 2,500 years. I believe probably the, the Megoshi, the wise men who were in the East, probably believed this and understood this, and that's why they knew when to look for Yeshua. They found his star. That wasn't a coincidence. They just didn't see a star and go, hey, let's see where that takes us. Is that what they did? No, they looked for it purposely. They knew that it was the star of the Messiah, right? Mm -hmm. Those guys were in Babylon waiting for that star, looking for it. And they said, hey, there it is. Let's go. It's time to go. Are you getting what I'm driving at? Yes, sir. That was a moed. Right. Bayomer Elohim Yehi Morot. Birkia Hashemayim, Lehavdil ben Yom uven Halayla, Behayule Otot Ule Moedim. Moed, appointments. That star was an appointed time, right? And so those men, those Wise men, those migoshim, which means basically, I believe, mystics of scriptures, Jewish mystics, and that's not a bad thing like a lot of people think. It, it is now, but back then it wasn't. These men understood the scriptures in ways we don't. We've lost a lot of it. Yeshua gives a lot of it back to us. We don't even need the Talmud to figure that stuff out because Yeshua gives it to us. Okay? Does everybody understand that? Yes. Okay. That to be understood we, I do not read mystic rabbi junk okay but I have read the Mishnah and I am aware of <laughs> the rabbis that they get out of the Torah and but I have seen this deeper level stuff just on the surface of the text and this is the this is one of the big ones to me the the, the concept of a world we keep Kepha spoke about it Anybody know what he, what he said? A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Where did he get that? Where did Peter get that? Um, did he invent it? Did he write it down from some rabbi, or does it come out of the Word? I'm sure it comes out of the Word. I just don't know where. It's in one of the Psalms. I want to say 96. It's 90-something. Um, so, yeah, he's quoting the Psalms. And so the concept of the World Week existed. Kepha was saying, he is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand him to be, but he is patient, hoping that everyone comes to Teshuvah. It's around that verse that, that he says, don't you understand that a day to Yahweh is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day? Don't you understand that? Haven't I taught you that? 
Okay, so that's a concept that existed a long time ago. And I think this is a picture of it, that there are 7,000 years reserved for mankind. Each word here representing one 1,000 year period. Bereshit, the beginning. Bara Elohim et, that's day four, 4,000 years. That's when Yeshua showed up. That's when those, those men, those Megoshim, that's when they lit out following deliberately a very specific star. Right? Day five, day six. We're in day six right now. It's almost ended. We're not quite there yet. We don't know how exactly close we are, but we're dangerously close, if you ask me. And I believe that's when Yeshua will come back is at the end of day six. All right. And then day seven, he returns to earth. He will connect heaven and earth. Do you see that? <laughs> the elephant top with a vibe yep. connector. He will connect heaven and earth when he comes back on this day. All right. This is very brief, but I want you to see. You'll have to just, you know, I'll have to teach prophecy again at some point, I suppose, because I don't have the videos anymore. <laughs> but, but and that's Psalm um, 94. Yeah. So it, this is, this is, this is foundational stuff. It's seen over here, you know, it's seen throughout this chapter. There's a menorah there. And this, this is a menorah. To me, this is the very first menorah of the Bible is these seven words because they give you a little picture of the gospel. So we get over here and God says in chapter six, I have numbered man's days to 120 years, right? And that is what it says. But did Noah die at 120 years old? No. Did Abraham? No. Nope. Abraham lived to be 200 and something years old. I can't remember exactly. I want to say like 270, but I have to look. But he was an old, old dude. Okay. How long did Moshe live, though? 120. 120 years. All right. And so I've taught this before a long time ago, but I'm going to do this. So before the flood, you had this going on. Uh, let me think of how best to represent this. Let me think. Um, people lived kind of long, and then it, their age dipped down a little bit, right? And then I wonder if I can change the color of this. I don't see where I can do that. Uh, right there. But sin did this, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Okay. And then on the other side of the flood, sin kind of does the same thing. 
but the life expectancy plunged and then kind of did this. You with me? Yeah. Okay. And that is that 120 years from Moshe is generally what you get. People typically don't live past that. I think one or two people have, and some of that might be legend, but there's people alive today that are really close to it. I think there's actually a person on earth today who's 120 years old. I think he's Japanese, if I remember right. So, um, so I think that it is a shot level understanding of what this is, but, um, let me, all right. So considering the world week, this thing became a key of prophecy for me. All right. And what I mean by that is it's been at least 11 years ago, if not more, where I was really praying about uh, when are these things going to happen? I was kind of like the Daniel of the Bible. How, you know, how long, you know, he had Jeremiah, right? If you don't, if you're not aware of this, Daniel followed Jeremiah in the timetable almost immediately. So he, he was carried as a young man, he was a man, he was a grown man, but he was young, probably 20. He was part of the first exile from Judah, from Jerusalem. And he was part of the cream of the crop. He was a picture of the rapture, if you ask me. We could study that later. Um, he was taken out and brought to Babel. He didn't witness the ugly, ugly stuff of what Nebuchadnezzar did to Jerusalem. He didn't witness Jeremiah's lamentations. Jeremiah wrote the book of lamentations, echa, which means, oi, oh my gosh, it's moaning, it's, it's pain. That's what echa, the book of lamentations, the Hebrew name means. And uh, so Daniel didn't witness that. He was gone and he was in Babel. And I personally believe that's a picture of a Natsal. All right. And so he's, he's grown up, he's aged, I should say, quite a bit, and he's praying. A lot has happened. All of his junk with Nebuchadnezzar has happened, and maybe even some of his followers, because Daniel lived a long time. I can't remember exactly how long, but he lived a long time, too. So he's in Babel, and he's asking Abba in Daniel, in Daniel 7-ish, you know, how long is this going to go on? When is the, the, the prophet Jeremiah's words going to come to pass? When's that going to happen? What did God tell him? Anybody remember? Seven, yes, sir. seven weeks of years. I've been alive. Right? So he was worried about the 70 years. God told him basically, yeah, that's about, that's about up. But for the coming of the Messiah, that's going to be 70 weeks of years. And from Daniel, from the marker that God gave Daniel, I should say, which was the decree, the going forth of the decree, what a lot of people don't understand is that decree came in different stages by different kings. It started with Cyrus and ended with Darius, I think, is how it went. And um, 
when you follow those markers, it's exactly 490 years until you get to the point where there's where those those rabbis, those mystics from Babylon are expecting the Messiah. They have the book of Daniel to guide them. Where was Daniel written, the book? Anybody know? In Babylon. In Babylon, in partly in Aramaic. Mm-hmm, <laughs> right, right. Okay, so those those mystics over there, they had Daniel's book and all of the knowledge that, that had been handed down. All right, and they're expecting the Messiah. And they see his star, and they come to Bethlehem to see Yeshua. And I believe that was 3 BC when that happened, that at the 4,000 year mark. Mm. So in similar fashion, I was pregnant. I'm not elevating myself whatsoever. I don't think of myself as another biblical Daniel, just because my name is Daniel doesn't mean I think that way. I hope nobody ever accuses me of that junk, but, but nonetheless, 11 years ago or so, I was praying about when are we going to see this? Is there, is there any knowing? Can we know, you know, how long is this world week stuff true? And if so, when was the Yovel? When, when was the last Yovel? I was looking for a Yovel. So do you mind doing this right now? Interjecting this? No. Okay. Oh no, not at all. Um, if you're bored, just let me know. <laughs> We're never bored, Daniel. We're not bored. Uh, so I was praying about that, and I believed already uh, that we were close. And I believed that I, my question was, is when was the last Yovel? I knew about the Yovel. I knew that, uh, and I might be mixing up the way I was thinking 11 years ago, but, um, let me just say this. I wanted the timepiece. I believe that there was a timepiece. There had to be a marker in the scriptures to tell us sort of an anchor point that get us closer to just a swag. Somebody know what a swag is? Yes, silly wild ass guess. Yes. Yeah. A scientific wild guess. <laughs> right. So I didn't, I'm, I was tired of those. So I'm, I'm praying about it. And, um, then I read, I'm reading the book of Revelation, and then just in reading the portion one year, I started reading chapter 25 and 26. All right. Okay. And it's talking about the Yovel. Does anybody know what the word Yovel means? Um, they set the captives or they set people free, something like that, every 50 oh, years. It's the, the year of, I think everything is returned back. Isn't it like? The English call it a jubilee. Jubilee, yeah. right. 50 jubilee, years. Yeah. 50th right. year. It's the 50th year of a, of a, uh, a, it's a, it's a, it's Daniel's prophecy in microcosm. 
what did God tell Daniel? 70 weeks, right? Right. Are appointed. So this is a similar concept. Seven weeks of seven years. One week being seven years long is what God gave Daniel. The Yovel is a similar thing. Seven weeks of seven days. Are you with me? Do you see the parallel? Okay. Daniel's was 70, a multiplier of seven. The Yovel mm -hmm. is 400 or 49 days. Daniel's is 490 years. Is everybody there? Yes. So the Yovel is similar to what Daniel had going on. So I thought maybe that's linked to prophecy somehow. And so I'm reading this and I started doing the math and looking for the benchmark. There has to be a benchmark at the time. We have to be tracking these things. And then I read Daniel or Genesis 6, what we just read. I shall number man's days to 120 years. And so I started doing the math. I'm going to get a calculator up or I'll be stupid. I'm, be st I'm dependent on calculators. <laughs> I ain't mad at you. I'm not in the seventh grade anymore. And I teach history. <laughs> okay. So 50 is a Yovel cycle. And you just have to read the Yovel carefully. This chapter 25 on the Yovels. And what, let me say this, I'll go ahead and say this. What turned me on to looking at this is that I had read Revelation and then I came and read this chapter 26. If you will not hearken to my meets vote, and your soul abhors my commandments, my judgments, my statutes, and break my covenant. You shall languish, and your sheep seed shall grow in vain, and your enemies shall eat it. I'll set my face against you and smite you before your enemies. They that hate you will rule over. There is seven times more for your sins will I chastise you. Do you see that? Nope. Yeah. Seven times more will I chastise you. And, and what I just read in the Hikalut in the Revelation was seven times God punishing the earth. Mm. Are you with me? Yep. All right. So I'm thinking maybe there's a connection here. And so that's why I started looking into the Yovel. So I, I started doing the math. Let me think. When was the possible last Yovel, I surmise? In 70 AD, logical to me. Okay. And so I think, okay, how many cycles of 120 years has mankind gone through? So look at there. Did you wow. see? <laughs> 120 <laughs> times a Yovel is 6,000 years. Does that speak of the world week? Wow. Yes. So I'm, I will number your days. He's talking to mankind. He's not talking to Noach because Noach lived right. some odd years. Right. I do believe that it took Noach. I think that, that scripture in Genesis 6 speaks on a Peshat level first. And that is that Noah had 120 years to build the ark. I do believe that. But I also believe it applies to age. 
because Moses lived 120 years and most people today can't make it that far. Some do, but it's very few. Okay. So I think that was another level. That's might be up in the Remez level of scripture where God's numbering man's years to 120. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Mm. Yes, sir. But I think on a soul level that he's doing this, he's numbering all of mankind's years to 6,000. Mm. That's and, and that's the world week. And I think that our, our ancient Jewish sages, including Peter and Paul and John, I think they understood this. They knew this. Okay. Shaul Paul had to put an urgency in people. And so he said he's coming back very soon. But on the scale of things, two days is a whole lot shorter than six, isn't it? Yeah. Mankind needs an urgency about the coming of Yeshua, and people don't have it today. They don't. They have, they have become what Peter was talking about when he quoted those verses, and, and he said, in the last days, they will forget the creation and the flood. All right? So that's where we are. And so when I saw this, I like to flip my lid. And then I did, <laughs> then I did some more math. And this was about 2010, 2011, somewhere along in there when I was doing this math. And so I said, okay, uh, let's just use 2010. That's 1940 years, right? Okay. Oh, wow. That's, that's 38 Yovels. Okay. How many out of a hundred, out of 120, right? For all mankind. So mm -hmm. were there 80 Yovels on the other side of Yeshua? No. 4,000. Divided by 50. There were 80. But it wasn't precise. It wasn't exact, right? So that part is good. So, so, but remember, I'm only dealing with 6,000. So how many is in 1,000? 20. I got to leave 20 out because that's the Shabbat. That's that last 1,000 years, right? Right. So when he left. All right. So then I do. Why am I anchoring in at 70 AD? Does, I, I don't think I said that yet. Does anybody know? The destruction of the temple. The destruction of the temple. And then, of course, later on, somebody pointed out that. Rome actually attacked in 67 AD. And so that made it look like it possibly could be 2017. And of course it didn't turn out being 2017, but neither did it turn out being 2020, but something else comes along later. But at this point in my thinking 10, 10, 12 years, years ago, I'm not there yet. I haven't seen that stuff yet. I haven't figured it out yet. So uh, 2020 Minus 70 is 1950, 39 Yovels. That would have left one Yovel left. All right. Or would it? How many do I need? I need 100. I've got 80 and 39. 
right? 219. I've got 80 on the other side of the Yeshua. So I'm almost at my limit here. Are you with me? And so I've got 4,000 before Yeshua showing up. I've, I'm thinking that his death is the anchor point, and that's a that's another Yovel cycle. So that's probably that's probably eighty one. Okay. And I, I'm up, I think, in my head a little bit. So that's my thought process. But what I arrived at, and I'll try to post this on the on the new blog. What I arrived at was a, a couple of years ago. I was thinking about this again and I was thinking, and it was, uh, it was 2019. So I was thinking about it again. I'm like, okay, we're at 2020. Um, um, that could be the next Yovel. 2020 would have been a Yovel if th that's what I need to do. Just hit me. I did the math wrong. Um, Let's see. I should have thought about this a little more deeply before we started, but I didn't have time. Um, Seventeen. I'm sorry. Seventy. Twenty twenty minus seven. Nineteen hundred and fifty. equals 39. So we've had, we would have had 39 Yovels if 70 were the benchmark. And that bothered me because I'm, I was thinking we're closer. We could still be out, right? Uh, so I'm thinking about it and I'm reading the portion which falls in which falls in the December timeframe around my birthday. I'm thinking about it. And then I realize, oh, wait a minute. Yeshua declared a Yovel. And he did that in 27 AD. And I know that from the year he was born and the year he started his ministry because he declared that Yovel at the start of his ministry. All right. So 27 AD would be the marker. And I would have to, I'm going to have to go back and look at all the math. But what I want you to see is how close it is. So, if so, 2000 years ago, if that's 2027, isn't that that's 2000 years ago from our 2027, right? Yeah, that's that's simple math. We can all do that, in yeah. our, right? Yes, 2027 in our future, yes. back up 2000 years, and that puts me at 27 AD, right. Yes. Okay. Hello. Yes. Yeah. All right. So that's why I think this is important. I'm not saying that 2027 is is the year. Matter of fact, I would have I would have thought, and that would be the beginning of the last millennium, right? 
I personally believe that that last millennium has to be made and that the 80 before Yeshua and the 40 after Yeshua could possibly begin in 2027. Could could possibly be complete in 2027. But there's always a dusk, isn't there? Yeshua was born on the dark side of the end of the fourth millennium and his ministry rolled across. Are you with me? Everybody tracking with me? (laughs) Say that last part one more time, please. Think of dusk. What is dusk to you? Really dark. It's the end of the light before it gets really dark. Dark and dark in some in in a way have kind of mixed, right? They're kind of fighting each other for ground, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sun has gone down, but there's still some light outside. It's not dark. Dark hasn't consumed us yet. We're at the we're at the very edge of light, right? That's yeah. dust. Yeah. Okay. What I'm saying is, is that I don't think that it's going to be bam forty, and that's the mark. I think the three and a half. I think the seven years of tribulation will be three and a half on one side, three and a half on the other. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's what I'm thinking is a possibility. I'm not naming dates. I'm not pinning dates down. I'm just thinking that that could be the case. So I'm not. I'm just saying 2027 may not be the year. What might the year be in that case? 23 and a half. 23 and a half, yep. Right, because you have three and a half years on the front and three and a half years on the back to make the seven. So it gets really, really bad. Yeah, 2023 might be worth looking at. <laughs> okay. So, especially if you we got to wait two years. <laughs> possibility yeah <laughs> it's a possibility we could weigh 50 yeah i know you know i don't want to i certainly don't either i always be i always thought that i would see it if i'm here i'd be i'd be an old geezer in a diaper probably <laughs> oh lord i'd be 102 years old i'd, I'd be hoping for that 120 mark at that point <laughs> Uh, where are you at, Yeshira? So, would that Yovel mark the end of the 6,000 years before Messiah's reign began? Or would it be marking the time? I, I'm a little confused about what that marks. Of. Okay, there's, okay, so look at this. Yeshua showed up at 4,000, right? That's 80. How many did God give us? 120. The 120 is not this all is not the seven millennium millennia. The 120 is not the seven, it's the six. Six is the number of man. We have six millenniums before Messiah puts his foot down and says, All right, we're gonna do it my way now. All right. So, if, so the, hang on. So 80 is on the other side of Yeshua before he got here. That's measurable. Right. Creation to Yeshua is 4,000 years. That's 80 Yovels. So we've taken up 80 of the 120. All right. 
if 6,000 is the mark, what's 4,000 plus 2,000 to get to six? Well, what's 4,000? What's the distance between four and six? It's two millennia, right? Mm-hmm. So that's 6,000 years. Right. That's 120. We've got 80 on the other side of Yeshua. So from Yeshua to his return should be however many Yovel cycles are, are between there. And we, we find out that's 40. And if, if Yeshua did declare the Ovel in 27 AD, when he stood in the synagogue and started his ministry at 30 years old and said, uh, I did it, you know, I'm, Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. A, yes. That's what I'm thinking of it in Hebrew. I was trying to get it. I was trying to switch over to English. The Spirit of Yahweh has anointed yeah. me to, bring, to, to declare good news. I know it better in Hebrew than I do in English. It's one of my favorite verses. The Spirit of Yahweh has anointed me to declare good news, to bind up the broken heart, set the captives free, and to declare a year of release, a Yovel. Yes. All right. And so I honestly believe that he that's what he did in 27 AD. And so if he did, then 2027 is exactly 40 more cycles, which completes the 120 cycles. Okay. Great. Okay. Got it. Mm. Yeah. Puts us at the end of the 6,000 years. It fills up all the Yovel cycles, you know, of the world week. And so what I'm saying is Genesis 6, I believe, goes to that level and actually says I'm numbering man's days to 120 years because a Yovel cycle is a figurative number of days and years. Right. Just like it was for Daniel in his prophecy about Messiah. It was so clear those guys left Babylon to find it. This stuff all makes sense to me, and I'm sorry it took me a while to get the math there. All right? Hopefully I didn't confuse anybody too much. It's okay, Google. It's interesting, Daniel. It is very. And the reason we got there is because of this passage. Wake up, Jim. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Sorry. Uh, I got up early. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got 340. So. You beat me by a little bit. <laughs> Therefore, his day shall be 120 years. I don't think that's arbitrary. Noah lived to 600 and some odd years. Abraham lived to 200 and some odd years. It was Moshe who lived to 120. And very few people have done past that since Moshe. So, and I just find it interesting that this year, right now, there's a, I'm pretty sure there's a person on earth that's 120 years old or tapping at it. So I think that's a, a sign, honestly. Okay. So, um, and just on a very, uh, I guess, lighter 
version of that. So uh, did you say earlier that you believe it took uh, Noah 120 years to actually build the ark? I think it did, yes. Yeah. I think I've actually done the math before, and that's what you get. But I haven't done that recently. But yeah, okay. that's locked in my mind. I, I may have to unlearn it. I could be wrong, but I, I, I do think that's what it is. Okay. Noah did according unto all that Yahweh commanded him. And he was 600 years old when the flood of the waters was upon the earth. And he went in, his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, a thousand of everything that creeps on the ground, there went in two and two unto Noah, into the ark, male and female, as Elohim commanded Noah. Came to pass after seven days. It came to pass after the seven days, the waters of the flood were upon the earth. That, to me, is another symbol. Noah went into the ark and sat there for seven days. Oh, oh. Yeah, I get it. Come into all the house, all of your house into the ark. I'll make it around 40 days and 40 nights. That's a number of judgment. All right. He did all that was commanded. I'm going to just make sure I'm not forgetting one. Isn't that also kind of like a foreshadowing of the high priest going into the header? During, That's exactly uh, what I believe it is. Yep. There it is. For yet seven days. So God tells him, come into the ark. And in seven days, I'll cause rain to come upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. I imagine he had to get all the beasts settled where they needed to be settled. You know, get get last minute. Get, get everything ship shape. As a former Navy guy, we had to get everything ship shape. Everything had to be stowed, you know, because the ship is going to move. You know, you have to put things where they don't move around when you're in the waves. Okay. So that's just me thinking as a sailor that that might have been some of what he was doing for those seven days, getting things figured out, getting used to living in it before it starts moving, right? <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, seven days later, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the rain. After the seven days, the waters of the flood were upon the earth. It started to rain. So there's a, I believe personally there's a picture there. That is the seven days in the chuppah upstairs for us, those of us who are righteous, those of us who get rescued like Daniel did, like uh, Rahab did, like uh, uh, I think there's other examples, like uh, Lot and his wife got rescued on, on Passover. Um, so uh, there's pictures of it, and I think this is a picture of that. They were hidden under atonement for seven days before the rain came. Okay. In the 600th year of the life of Noah, in the second Chodesh, on the 17th day of the Chodesh, on the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. That one verse right there says a mouthful. What all do you see in it? 
Well, we see exactly when it happened, the second Kodesh, uh, seventh day of the Kodesh. So we see when it happened. And we also see that the great deep was broken up. So the basically the, all the water in the firmament began to come down onto the earth. Well, you forgot a part. I forgot a part. Let me see. The um, of the great deep broken up. There was water what? coming out of the earth itself as well as from the sky. There was an explosion yeah. of water from inside the earth, from under the oceans. Hmm. Well, it's a fact we still, there is water under the earth. We know this today. I personally believe that the core of the earth is heavy, 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 heavy water. And it gets filtered as it rises to the surface and it gets cleaned. I don't believe the core is magma like they think. I think there's layers of magma down there. But I think the core is probably the stuff that God made everything out of. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. The waters that he hovered over collected there, and then it gets filtered out as it comes up, okay? But there's supposed to be a photograph of the Atlantic Ocean that was taken from space. I wasn't mm -hmm. there. I can't confirm it. But there's supposed to be a photograph that was taken from space on one of the early space missions that shows a mountain ridge. And I have talked to sailors who know about that mountain ridge in the, in the Atlantic Ocean, almost directly halfway between uh, America and Europe. And it looks like it did this. It looks like something erupted and then it all settled back down. It's jagged. I forget what they call it. They have a name for it. Sailors have a name for it. Submarine sailors have a name for it. I forget what it's called. Um, but supposedly when they took a picture of the earth, they saw that. And I personally believe that that's probably what it is, is that the fountains of the great deep broke open and spewed water up into the sky. And then the windows of heaven were open. So the stuff that was in heaven was poked open by the stuff that blew up out of the earth. Are you with me? Mm. So, yes, Tracy, I believe that the geography of the, of the earth at that time was very different. Uh -huh. Okay. And this is what caused mountains to rise up higher and be jagged and broken looking. This is what caused the, the carving of the Grand Canyon is imagine the force necessary to do all this. Mm -hmm. And in talking to high-minded scientists about, I guess it would have been in about 2000, between 2000 and 2002, the men I worked with were all scientists and brainiacs and goobers and nerds. <laughs> and, uh, very smart, very intelligent people, and they thought I was just dumb redneck. And having these conversations with them, and I, and I insisted, no, the Earth is not billions of years old. And they they would come back with something, and I would retort. And uh, <clears throat> um, one of the things was that uh, the Earth. It, 
was about the, the geography of the earth at the time. I had a conversation with a, an older engineer who at that time was probably about 60 years old. His name was, I'm not going to say his name, but, uh, he, uh, he was struggling with it with two, for two reasons, the, the crust of the earth and light, because his thing was light travels at a certain speed. And as far as the stars are away as, that we know they are now, for the light to get here it would have taken millions of years. And I said, well, and he was a believer. He was a, he was a Christian. He was a believer. And I think he was a nominal believer, but it, it, nonetheless, he, he said he believed, but he was trying to, he was wrestling with it. And I said, I, I just looked him in the eye and I said, don't you think God can make a beam of light in a second? <laughs> a fully mature beam of light. He made the trees mature with fruit in them. He made the grass mature on the day they, that he created the grass. He made the animals mature on the day that he created them. He made man mature on the day they created them. Can he not make light mature? Uh, Are you with me? Yes. Yeah. You know, on, on that note, I went to Iceland six years ago. And most of you remember the Eyjafjallajökull, the 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 volcano that spewed and basically interrupted traffic between Europe and here, right? So there was a crater, there was a lake there, a deep crater lake. And within two weeks, that huge crater lake totally disappeared and it's just a rock field. And to me, that was proof that if you can basically wipe out a whole huge crater lake and make it nothing but rocks, Elohim sure can make the earth and everything and it doesn't have to take millions of years exactly yeah so and and he can he can, he stretched i i know there's no doubt in my mind that he stretched out the light beams to maturity the moment he said yeah he or or the moment he said let there be lights in the sky that would be the moment the moment he said let there be lights in the firmament mankind had to see them so he had to stretch the beams out are you with me yeah so yeah the, the precise physics behind it, I can't figure it out, but I can't, neither can anyone else. <laughs> it's, all, it's all scientific guessing. You know, you can't recreate it. You can't prove it. You can't disprove it. But the point is, is that logically, it is entirely possible that God created mature beams of light if you believe in the God that I believe in. Okay. Right. So, um, so yeah, the fountains of the deep broke open and the windows of heaven were open. So that was a that was a two-part flood is the point that I'm getting at. Water came at us from below and from above. There was no escaping that. All right. The other thing that you learn is yes, the 600th year of Noah's life in the second Chodesh. The problem is most people when they read this don't understand that this is in the fall of the year. What do we call Yom Teruah? What do our Jewish people call Yom Teruah? Most of them. Rosh Hashanah, isn't it? Rosh Hashanah. I'm writing it down below. Rosh Hashanah. You hear them say Rosh Hashanah. Okay. Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year. I've taught most of you this before. Some of you it may be new to, but the beginning of the year was in the fall up until, and you're going to see this when we get to Exodus up until Exodus 12, the beginning of the year was in the fall. So this is 
right about where we are now in history is when the flood started on the calendar. We are in, I'm pretty sure we're in the second month until November 5th. Okay. So right now it'd be raining. <laughs> if we were back there, this would be the season. All right. So I want you to keep that in mind going forward that when you see, when you see the Hodish, the renewed moon, moon mentioned in Genesis up to Exodus 11, you're seeing it on this cycle of the calendar where the new year is in the fall. All right. Everybody got that? Yes. And it began to rain 40 days and 40 nights. Noach, Shem, Ham, Yafet, the sons of Noach and the wife of Noach and three wives of his sons with him got into the ark. That's eight people. Eight is life. Chayim. Eight. Oh, wow. All right. Eight living beings, eight living humans, I should say, got into the ark. And they went in, male and female of all flesh, as Elohim commanded him, and Yahweh shut him in. God is the one who shut the door. That's okay. He and his boys couldn't lift it. And it was on, and the flood was 40 days upon the earth. In other words, the rain kept beating down for 40 days. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it was lifted above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went up upon the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. So it kept happening and happening. It just kept rising and rising. And all the high mountains that were under the whole heaven were covered. There are believers, there are Christians, there are, there are Jews who believe that the, this, this flood that we're talking about was local and not global. No. I can't get there in my head and I won't go there because that's not what he says. All right. God's, I believe God over every man. Let God be true and every man a liar, the book of Romans says. God does not lie. His word is absolute, absolutely trustworthy. And he said that it covered all the mountains on the face of the whole earth. Amen. And that's not to not to uh, I, I know we like to talk about extra biblical things as though the word is not enough, because that's that's the case. The word is simply is enough. But having said that, there are so many different flood stories around the world mm-hmm. and for, for different civilizations and, and uh, in different areas all the all around the world, the, the entire globe. Yep. Well, and you're actually right. You're totally right. But my point is, if you begin, and that's been my point to other people, if you begin to nitpick and think it's okay, so Jonah was not in the in the whale for he did that could that's not possible, or the flood didn't happen, or whatever, 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 then you know, then nothing you cannot rely on anything in the scriptures. So why do you even believe? That's true. That's so true, Eva. And, and I mean, I've had to tell myself at times. <laughs> Because it's easy to try to get into this this place where we try to use human logic with exactly. everything that we read out of scriptures. And it's almost to the point where we try to put Abba in a box as though he is not the creator who is outside the rules of this of this realm. People, you know, right. you're right. Yeah, people would rather trust 
the guy with the sheepskin hanging on the wall, the guy with the degree, the guy that in, invented uh, evolutionary theory, the guy that invented the right. theory of relativity, the guy that, that, that you know, w- when the truth of the matter is, is real science fits this model. Yeah. Like I said, maybe, maybe at some point we'll do that, but uh, I studied it years ago. I've, I've told y'all before I was a science geek when I was in the Navy. I read couple of science magazines every week, you know, or every month. I think they were monthly periodicals, but I read them for the whole month, you know, and I was studying this stuff and I was trying to, I was trying to do that. I was trying to stuff the word of God into man's box and say, well, this must be how it worked, you know? Yeah. And then I, and then it just dawned on me that exactly what Eva said, that makes God fickle. Mm-hmm. Well, look, and what's funny is all these people go around and they're looking for a miracle, they're praying for a miracle, they're asking for a miracle, but yet they dismiss the miracles that have already happened. Yeah, mm. namely the creation. And that's let's go there since you brought that up. I, and and I had <laughs> it. In my mind. No, it's okay. I had it in my mind to go there uh, in a previous section of our conversation, but I'm going to go there now. Knowing this first, this is Kephabet, 2 Peter chapter 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the Acharit Hayamim. Let's just go over that. That's that last set of Yovels. That's that last 40 Yovels. You realize that? Mm-hmm. The last days. Last days. There are seven days. If there are first days and last days, how many are last? Can't see my fingers because my... Can you see them? Three. The last one. That's true. Is the last of the last days. So we have two before Yeshua comes back. We've been in the last days for 2,000 years. So the 120 years are fulfilled at the at the end of two Yovels, or two 2,000 years, which is 40 Yovels. Okay. My point is, we're there. Mockers who scoff. There will come in the Acharit Hayamim, the last days, mockers who scoff, following after their own lust, just like it was in the days of Noah, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since our fathers died, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, it's never going to happen. It's just going to rock and roll like it always has. Nothing changes. They've been saying this for a long time. Yep. (laughs) Of this, they are willingly ignorant. They, and I say it this way, they make a conscious decision. They decide to be stupid. That by Devar Elohim, the word of God, the heavens were of old. God created the heavens by his word. The earth emerged from water and by means of the water. And those men, because of whose deeds the world of that time was flooded, perished under that water. But the present heavens and earth are sustained by his Devar, his word, and are reserved for fire on Yom Hadin, which is Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur. They're both judgment days, which is the day of the destruction of ungodly men. But don't forget one thing, that one day is with Yahweh as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. He is not slow. This is what I quoted a while ago concerning his promises. Some count slowness. But the point that I wanted to bring up is they will be willingly 
ignorant. Willingly ignorant of creation and the flood. Mankind, Peter is predicting that mankind as a whole in the last days will make a conscious decision to forget the creation and the flood. And that's exactly where we sit. They choose to believe scientists over the word of God. When real scientists who believe in Yeshua can show you the logic and the, and the actual real science, it's not theory and not bad theory. Science has become its own religion of sorts. It is a religion. Absolutely. Yes, Absolutely. It's, it's the new, it's, it's, it's the religion of mankind. It's, it's, it's all lining up. Everybody's coming under the same umbrella. Okay. It flooded the whole earth, 15 cubits upward and the mountains were covered and all flesh perished and moved upon the earth. Everything that had the breath of life in it, Die. He blotted out every living substance which was upon the face of the ground. Man, cattle, creeping thing, all blotted from the earth. And Noah was only was left, and they that were with him in the ark, eight people. And the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. That was me writing in a sample while ago. 150 days. How long is that? It's about four months, isn't it? It's five months. A month is 30 days long back then. (laughs) Funny. (laughs) What? Why is that funny? Because he's sarcastic. That's funny. (laughs) 30 days times five is 150, isn't it? Yes, sir. I got it. I'm not a mathematician. (laughs) I stopped doing mental math when when I got off the submarine. (laughs) I was I was was still pondering the fact that okay, so my mind is weird, y'all know this. But when all these creatures died and drowned, including all the people on the earth, and all that water moved all these bodies about, no wonder you find you find skeletons in places they couldn't figure out how they got there. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, the weird stuff is, is flood stuff, if you ask me. The stuff we don't understand with human bodies, that's flood stuff. And then the other stuff that we get, that's post-flood stuff. I should have said pre-flood. There's pre-flood and post-flood stuff in the archaeological record that people are mixing up because they don't look at it through the right lens. That's why they're so confused and come up with all kinds of garbage. Okay, something that I wanna point out. Oh shoot, I just had it in my mind, let me think. Oh shoot, it was necessary and good. Was it about the five months? Yes, thank you. So when did the flood start? Noah's in the fall. Specifically. Second Kodesh, 
in the second Chodesh, one month after Rosh Hashanah. All right? Yeah. Five months later is what season? What? Pesach. Passover. So from Rosh Hashanah, from a month after Rosh Hashanah, all the way up to Passover, the water is high on the earth. The mountains are covered. Okay. And Elohim remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And he made a wind to pass over the earth. And the waters assuaged. It's interesting. We had a windy day today, a big windy day that <laughs> was an anomaly for us. <laughs> uh, the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained as clouds and the waters returned from off the earth continually and after the end of 150 days the waters decreased and the ark rested in the seventh chodesh the seventh chodesh not the sixth so we're creeping up on this is Shavuot on the 17th day of the Chodesh upon the mountains of Ararat and that's over there in Turkey on the eastern edge of Turkey Turkey is kind of almost like a football it's kind of long horizontally and on the it's on the Ararat is over on the eastern side uh, I forget what country is just east of there I think it's Georgia it's just east, east of there. It's either that or Armenia. Maybe it's Armenia. I think it's Georgia, though. I'd have to look at a map again. But that's where Ararat is. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th Chodesh. In the 10th Chodesh, on the first day of the Chodesh, were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made, and he sent forth a raven. And it went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. In other words, I don't think he ever saw that bird again. Mm -hmm. He sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. The dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him to the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. <clears throat> and he put forth his hand and took her and brought her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet another seven days. And again, he sent forth a dove out of the ark. And the dove came in unto him at eventide evening and in her mouth an olive leaf freshly plucked. So Noah knew that the waters were abated off the earth. Okay, I'm looking at something in the Hebrew. Why don't you see this? Huh? So when she came back with an olive twig in her mouth, that would indicate to me after the earth had been submerged, he basically recreated everything all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you don't know anything about an olive tree, those are some of the hardiest trees that there are. Their root will just continue to produce. There are, there are trees in on the Mount of Olives today. And for those of you who went to Israel with us, if there's, Tracy was there, um, that had been there since the time of Yeshua. And the root, the root 
of those trees has been there since the time of David. Wow. There's 4,000 through the walls. Yeah. Yeah. So those things, there's no, I think honestly, that's what the uh, tree uh, of life is, was in gone edit. And I think probably the, the knowledge of good and evil was probably the fig tree. That's me. I'm still thinking on that, but uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that the oil for the lamp and the anointing comes from this branch that this dove brought back. And that's what I wanted to show you is Yonah. Anybody see that? Yes. Sound familiar? Yonah. 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 What's that? That's the prophet. Yeah. Um, and Yeshua said he would give he would give the generation that he was talking to one son. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yonah. So this I think alludes to uh, or starts hinting at some later coming stuff. You'd have to get really deep into it to see more of that. But I just wanted to point out that that's Jonah's name. And it's, so we know what, exactly what bird it is. And that's what landed on Yeshua when he started his ministry. And so the point that I'm making is this olive tree and this bird are kind of indicative of new life, right? Yes. Okay. So all these coincidences that we we're finding in scripture, imagine that. Yeah. A winky dink, huh? <laughs> so. Okay, and he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth a dove, and she returned not anymore unto him. And it came to pass in the 601st year, so a year later, in the first Chodesh of the first day of the Chodesh, the waters were dried up from the earth. So a whole year later, or 11 months later, it was done done, right? And so it's then that he removed the cover from the ark. So he landed on the mountain, right, already, but he waited until he was sure that land was land everywhere, right? And he opened the door on Rosh Hashanah. Mm. Is that a quinky dink? <laughs> no, well. Mm. He opened up the window. New year, new time. New year, new time, brand new life, peace on earth. It's probably the only time there's been peace on earth is that day. <laughs> <laughs> Since Adam. <laughs> Since Adam, yeah. Because mm. God made man and rested, then he made woman. Ain't nobody rested since. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Joe. <laughs> and Elohim spoke to Noah, saying, Go forth from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives, with bring forth with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, both fowl and cattle, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, and multiply. And Noah went forth, he and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast, creeping thing, and every fowl, whatever moves upon the earth after their families went forth out of the ark. And Noah built a mizbeach unto Yahweh, an altar unto who? Yahweh. 
Yewa. Exactly. No, Yewa. 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 Thank you. Took off every, took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered olot, burnt offerings on the altar that he made. And Yewa smelled the sweet savor. And Yewa said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time, harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So he's, he's kind of reset the seasons there. Seed time and harvest. Do you realize no one, <clears throat> uh, well, that's next week before I bring up that. Okay. I think we're going to wrap up there. I don't want to get into nine because it's full of stuff too. And I don't want to have to go past nine o'clock. Uh, so right now we seem to be on a pace of about three chapters a week. So it's going to be a long, long study. We have to do these. This, this is foundational stuff to me. And, you know, when we get into more of the narrative of history, we're going to hit it in highlights. But I wanted to do details on this because I, I just think that this is so important for the consumers at large, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yes. I was just going to say that, yeah, this is foundational stuff. And this is, well, all of Better Sheet, especially up to this point, is stuff that you can use that I have used actually to show people that Torah was from the very beginning. How did he know about clean and unclean animals? How do you know about offerings? How did he know about these things? Right. There, I tell you all the time, whenever we, we didn't really get into detail about it earlier, but when he made Adam and, and Eve and he's walking in the, in the garden with them, I always tell people, what do you think they were talking about? The cowboy season that year? No, he was probably <laughs> instructing them in his Torah, you know, most likely. So they knew this stuff, and this is all. This is evidence and proof of it right here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Noah knew what clean and unclean animals were, which were are specified later in in the written Torah. He knew how to build an altar, and that he should. Cain and Abel built all mm -hmm. offered yes. sacrifices to God. Where did they get the unction to do that from? Dad, Adam, who walked in the garden with God. You're exactly right. So there's yeah, and so. There's no way to do a comprehensive study of, of the book and try to do a study of the whole Bible and hit every single thing. So I'm glad you're bringing stuff like this up because that's critical stuff. The fact that we did just see Noah offer uh, clean beasts on an altar as, a, as an offering of thanksgiving, a burnt offering before God after surviving a global flood, that's huge. And it does show that... that the, the precepts of the Torah existed with him. He wasn't, mm -hmm. he was contrasted against the wicked people of the earth. He had knowledge of God, right? Mm -hmm. he, he, he was so close to God, he, he could see himself in his eyes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what's interesting is he knew clean and unclean animals, yet we did not eat animals at that time yet. That's right. And we'll find that out next week. Mm. So we'll go into some kosher stuff next week. You'll see. Uh, all right. Why, thank you, Gayla. And Shelly, glad you made it all the way. Okay. 
Avinu Malkeinu, in the name of your son, Yahweh, Yeshua Mashiach, we do give thanks for your, your Torah. We ask you to uh, clarify things that we said that might have been confusing, and, and I apologize for my weakness there. We just ask that you would make these concepts clear to those who watch, and we ask you to be with us who did watch and with our families and the rest of our congregation and uh, that you visit us on Shabbat. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Shalom, shalom, y'all. Bye. Shalom. All right. Shalom, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. In the description, you'll find all the links to our website and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayat ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with Shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.